Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. I am really, really excited to talk to Mark Edmondson, who's on the show today. Welcome, Mark. Good morning. Thank you very much, Ruth. Lovely to meet you. <laughs> and for those that don't know Mark, I actually connected with him through LinkedIn. And Mark has a, a phenomenal story to share. Um, he grew up in the northwest of England lived for his sport, uh, loved his life and felt very lucky with his lot. After a year traveling and seeing the world, he embarked on a successful commercial career and focused on living life well. And I, th I think we'll have some stories to tell behind that. Life was really good. And then five years ago, he was told he had stage four terminal cancer diagnosis and less than a year to live. He now lives life differently, but the same. What an amazing story, Mark. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I would love to dive into your story because there's not very many people that can get in front of the camera and talk about a stage four terminal diagnosis five years after that experience. And I know we just uh, were talking about you just had the last treatment to remove uh, cancer that was still in your system and fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, um, absolutely. That, yes, that I will last for, 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 for a long time. Um, so I'd love to hear your story. But before we do that, based on your journey, what yeah. for you would you say is optimal brain health for you personally? I think optimal brain health for me is um, the ability to understand how you work, how you think, uh, how you look at life. Uh, how you take on challenges. I think being able to um, you know, make decisions, not saying you second guess yourself, but to make decisions with the view that you are then looking back at it and going, I know why I made that decision. The reason was this. This is with a, the, 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 either the fallout or maybe from previous trauma or previous experience. It's molded me and created me to be like I am. And therefore, how am I then reacting? And am I reacting in a way that I like and I'm happy? Um, and therefore, remove sort of any anxiety or, or stress or or worry um, and um, try and live to be the person I want to be, but understand uh -huh. why I'm in the process. Do you know, I really love that because I don't think people take the time to understand themselves. And I love that you drew out the fact that it's important to understand why you are the person that you are. And then also to reflect on, okay, this is my lot as I am now, but who do I want to be? And, and what do I need to do in order to get there? And what changes do I need to make? Yeah. And people kind of think that, you know, particularly with your diagnosis, that what people say is what it is, and that's your lot. <laughs> yeah. But we don't have to listen to everything that people say. And we've got an awful lot of control over the outcome of our lives we own we own ourselves yeah. we own the outcomes that we have in our life and our brain is an incredibly powerful tool that can really either hurt us yeah. or really empower us and help us um, overcome phenomenal um, challenges so I'd, I'd love to explore your journey would, would you mind taking us on your journey back to to maybe the let's start with the when you discovered that something wasn't right what 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 happened there um so i discovered something wasn't right 
probably about six months, maybe seven or eight, six, seven, eight months prior to being diagnosed. Um, uh-huh. I think, you know, just to sort of touch on another slight point here, um, it was, I went to the doctor's multiple times, you know, with the view that I wasn't right. I was told it was, it was for bowel disease or it was for bowel syndrome. Okay. Just not, not healthy gut. Um, there was just, you know, maybe it was just sick of a bug at one point. Uh-huh. Um, and it was only until I pushed and forced the issue that I was like, look, I really would like to have a scan or, or something just to check that everything is working okay because I don't feel well. And, you know, we're told and encouraged to go and see people when we're not well. Um, and because of Which is age, often quite a difficult challenge for men as well, isn't it? Because I know, yeah. you know, I don't want to be, yeah. there's an ism, but it's much harder for, yeah. for guys to admit that they need to go and get help often than it is for women. Uh, 100% and that sort of support network doesn't exist for men to encourage mm-hmm. men to do that so um, that in itself was quite challenging there was a couple of times I was just like I'll be fine yeah I'm just gonna leave it and um, mm-hmm. they're obviously not that interested and I kept being told because you know, my age it couldn't be anything more significant than like I said IB, uh, IBS or irritable bowel disease so um, I was quite I was pushed back anyway finally I managed to get a scan um, and I also had a, a CT scan an MRI scan and a colonoscopy and it was a colonoscopy that discovered um, my uh, cancer. Um, mm-hmm. So initially I was told it was colon cancer and I was like, okay, colon cancer can be treated. I'm young, I'm healthy, I'll be able to deal with this. Uh, perhaps very well, perhaps not not perhaps, 100% very naively, um, quite, I guess, also quite ignorant to the situation. Um, four days later, I went to see the nurse to sort of review my situation, my diagnosis or my prognosis, sorry. Um, and the, the nurse phoned me up that morning and said, oh, the doctor's going to come and join the call. And I was, you know, again, naive. Was this over the telephone? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. that's, it's good to see the doctor cares. Like, oh, that's, really, that's very nice. And then I was, I was driving over with my wife. Um, and I was like, oh, I spoke to the nurse this morning. The doctor's going to join the call. Um, and she went, oh, that's not a good sign. I know we both sort of suddenly at that point, it suddenly changed. The, the tone and the mood changed to a bit more like yeah. a, bit more, a lot more concern. Anyway, saw the doctor and you know very professional but sort of delivered the news that i had between nine months to a year tops to live um very unfortunately it spread to my liver i had basically um i think about 33 34 tumors in my liver um and my future didn't look great um the the next move was something that i found and i still find um quite a, a negative experience something that still bothers me uh, but the very next day, and I know the intent was good uh, in that they were looking yeah. for me, but I was the palliative care team came round from a local hospice. Um, I'd obviously not really digested the news at all. Um, and they started talking to me about how I should communicate to my children. I've got an, an eight-year-old and a six, uh, an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, but at the time there would have been, what, a three-year-old, five-year-old. Um, yeah. you know, how I've got to communicate to them, how I've got to sort of deal with it in a sort of work context, um, a wider life. Well, context. the very next day, yeah, um, and it, truthfully, I still feel like there's some sort of trauma might be an extreme word, but a minor trauma attached to that where it was just I just couldn't deal with it. I had to go straight yeah. to bed. I was not in a good place with it. <clears throat> and no, I'm not to, surprised. But, you know, I wanted to get my own head around it rather than being told that these were all the things I needed to do. And yeah, suddenly I've gone from you know a week ago or even two days ago to being I'll be absolutely fine to oh my goodness I've got less than a, a year to go. So. Um, yeah, it was a big, uh, obviously it was quite shocking. Um, I think as, as that sort of progressed, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I've got a lot of good friends, um, uh-huh. network. 
so a lot of people came to visit me and were very encouraging very supportive in that sort of next month um to the point where i then had my best friend uh, come and stay for the weekend to help out with the children and um you know just just be around and, and be there to support and he was sort of commenting to me and he was just like you seem to be dealing with this like you've just been told you've got a common cold i can't get my head around it i'm angry at you i'm really upset at you um like i don't understand what what's happening here you seem to be still quite upbeat and quite positive mm -hmm. and i'm absolutely you know broken by this news like what's going on and i was like <laughs> i didn't really have a great answer um it was more just a look this is what i've been told i've got to deal with it the best i can uh, i believe if i'm positive that's going to create a good impact on the people around me so my wife my kids you know, I feed off their energy. I'm quite an extrovert person, so I felt that that would give me a lot of value if I had um, people being supportive in the right way. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I didn't want people to feel, um, yeah. you know, to, to be sort of uh, molly cuddling me. I wanted people to be saying the right things, going, okay, you can do this, and what can we do to help, and what practical yeah. things can we do? Um, and off the back of that, you then start to have conversations with people who go, well, maybe you should speak to a nutritionist, or maybe you speak to someone around holistic therapies, maybe understand, you know, get second or third opinions from the uh, from the medical world, yeah. um, you know, and trust the, the resource and trust the people who are, you know, paid well or, or do their jobs very well um, to try and help and support you. And I, I embarked on that journey. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I went from, um, I wouldn't say an unhealthy diet, but not certainly not a diet um, that I would have these days. So I've gone transitioned from, I went straight to vegan. And, wow, okay. Uh, and organic um I which is a brilliant thing to do by the way because yeah. you know going vegan on organic given your circumstances giving yourself the best chance to build your immune system in a natural way um so that it can do it can you know strengthen its defenses for the fight that you had ahead yes yeah absolutely and i think um you know that's that's since transitioned to being just vegetarian now so there's there yeah a point where i also needed to manage my weight my my treatment causing me to lose weight mm -hmm. um so there was you know my oncologist wanted me to then uh, transition some more protein into my diet um, yeah but fundamentally you know I, i'm still eating what i would consider a much healthier mm -hmm. um, uh, balanced diet than i was doing previously Mm -hmm. um, so I went to have you know holistic therapies um I went what to... did you do what what was the kind of because I know you mentioned that you know and it's really hard isn't it for friends and family where you've got someone who's been given a, a terminal diagnosis to kind of know how to react and support you to do what you want to do not what they think you should do which is which can be quite a you know quite different yeah. um, but what's right for you what was the kind of um tipping point for you to go okay i'm going to i'm going to find out how i can fight this um i mean look the the, the tipping point was my children like i mean uh -huh. like, me and my wife have a wonderful relationship we get an exceptionally well but she's an independent woman like she she yeah. lives the life she wants to live i support and i'm a part of that but it's still her life um i know that whilst i would never wish it upon her i would know that she would be able to cope with without me but yeah. my children at that age at three and five i was just like i need to do everything i possibly can to stick around as much as i possibly can yeah. uh, and just to sort of rewind a little bit in life when i was um 10 years old my mum suffered um quite a significant depression 
um, yeah. had an indirect traumatic effect on, on me and has molded me quite significantly as a person, as I've since found out. Um, and she was a what? Sorry, I missed what you just said there. She was just a, a very she she suffered very significant depression. She was okay. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and from and was that before your age of ten or from between the age of ten to sixteen? I mean, she still has. She still is mm -hmm. a person, um, but she's now found a way to deal with that and manage it and right. through through the balance of medical and, mm -hmm. and brain. Um, further to that, uh, then fast forward to so I've, I've had that experience. Fast forward to well, I was 32, 31, 32. My mm -hmm. second boy was born. He was born um, three and a half months prematurely. So he was born like wow. one three ounces. Five years prior to that, he would not have existed. He wouldn't have had a chance. Uh, we were very, again, very fortunate. Um, but he came through that. And again, it was another traumatic experience for me. But um, I took, I, I think that was also, he's also my inspiration. It seems quite odd to say um, who my inspiration is. is the What's your son's name? Uh, Wilf. Wilf. What a lovely Wilf. name. Oh. Yeah. So that was a really traumatic experience. So, so I think it's really important to note here is that, you know, obviously, obviously you had your childhood trauma from from yeah. you know seeing your mum struggling with depression yeah. and we often it, it's a real problem for kids because they they want to help their parents or do what they can to not make the situation worse yeah um and so and so you end up holding on to your own emotional trauma yeah. because of the fact that you don't want to add layers to yeah. your parents already yeah. big struggles which could tip the balance for them so and i did you get any support as a child did was anybody no. aware of it no i think you know i'm not uh, lamenting uh, the health service or, or any sort of knowledge around it, but it just it, it felt like there was it was still quite sort of i'm saying it's infancy people have obviously suffered depression through the ages but in terms mm -hmm. of having diagnosed and being able to treat it and understand it there was there was movements in the medical world to deal with it but there wasn't anything from a mental health perspective or from a support base mm -hmm. or certainly i wasn't exposed to anything um mm -hmm. i think the reason I'm, the reason i'm sharing that is just to sort of give some context behind perhaps why i think like i think and how i operate like i operate and like i said at the start you know understanding who i am and the reason i'm, I'm sharing that is so people listening understand that i've had other experiences which have got me to a point where you know, I've been able to sort of reflect on my own mindset and, uh, and also work on inspirational situations through, you know, very difficult times. So yeah. um, I just wanted to add that context in to give some some uh, flavour as to why why I'm the way I am. Um, and then I think if in answering your question, um, my um, I started having therapy um, prior uh -huh. to that was, that was another. So I started having therapy probably about two years after my son. Oh, my son was two years old by this point. Okay. Well. Um, because I realised I'd been suffering from some element of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Um, and um, so I started that that session probably six months prior to getting diagnosed, just mm -hmm. so I felt like I was sort of coming to the end of that therapy. Um, and I I believe now, well, I'll share this in a minute, um, I then got told, so I said to my therapist, look, can I continue? Because I think I'm going to need you. Um, and I still see her to this day. And I think um, oh. one of the, piece of I, I say this quite a lot to my friends and my, my family uh, hopefully not in, a, in a, an annoying way but uh, the view that I believe that everyone should have some form of therapy it doesn't have to be sitting down with a therapist it could be yeah. self-help books self-improved books um, it could be podcasts 
you have you know, a yeah. fantastic way of reflecting on yourself but any way that you find to reflect on who you are and, and how you operate um i think is of, of extreme value to you as a person um, yeah. and it helps you understand why you are and who you are and how you deal with the world in front of you well thank you for sharing that because i think people often you know put therapy in a in a bucket of um you only go and get it if yeah. there's something broken but actually there's there's many reasons behind why having a therapist or a coach can be super supportive um, particularly because they can give you a, an, an external perspective and also help you um, find the tools to uncover what you want in life and what, what will help you personally going forward yeah. um, to, to make the changes that are going to serve you rather than hurt you. Yeah, absolutely. I think on that point, I think, um, you know, in the same way in the 60s, sort of physical health became, started to become prominent with uh, people going jogging or jogging. Uh, uh, but yeah, people started jogging and suddenly there was still a lot of like, oh, why are people doing this? What's, what's wrong with people? Yeah. And I, I think that we're at the start of that mental health journey. I think in 50, 60 years time, this it'll be absolutely commonplace that everyone has has their own personal health trainer, you know, brain health trainer. Absolutely, exactly. Like it's things like what you're doing that I think will continue to promote and outline the value of having a healthy brain. And you know, we're very focused on having a healthy body. And I think we're all, you know, to this in this day and age, we're all very well versed on what the upshot and all the benefits come from having a a good exercise program or a good outlet for uh, you know physical activity. we all are aware and i think the same will happen with mental health i think we just need yeah. to keep pushing these these uh, boundaries down the road kicking the can down the road right and the more people yeah. that are aware of it the more value people get from it yeah the better yeah. and the more uh, positive i think society will be as a result no i think it's so important and I, I love the fact that you know you had that support from a therapist perspective at a time when you really needed somebody as well you know to to help you on this yeah. new challenge of overcoming stage four, you know, terminal cancer, um, and and finding a way through emotionally, um, physically, mentally, and spiritually with the, the spiritual, you know, strength of look of your children as as your focus to get yeah. to get well. You know, it was beyond you. It was it was you giving them a a life with them. Um, yeah. which is which was so important so how did you um what was the first real step that you took when you started this journey of healing um as you as you worked through the the cancer treatment um it was the first I, I think as i said i sort of had that month after i've been sort of told about you know, people sharing their views and their, mm-hmm. their, their opinions um in the most part very supportive you know i think you also go through a process when you um, when you get told this news, it kind of refines your outlook um, and or reinforces your outlook. You may already have something. You actually, I, I now one hundred percent agree that is the way I should, um, or that, that's reinforced my view to be able to be more like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I took stock. I think it was a case of like what are the touch points that can help me here. So diet, exercise, lifestyle, um, mental health, um, support networks, um, mm-hmm. and. And then sort of pulling all those things together, trying to find what worked for me. So I still see my same nutritionist. Um, mm-hmm. I took up golf because physically I wasn't perhaps able. I used to play football, um, 
I wasn't in a, in a position uh, or physical conditions to continue playing football. So I, I took a mm-hmm. golf. So it was a, a more gentle way, but somewhere that would guarantee I would get out uh, mm-hmm. once or twice a week. Um, we got a dog again from a therapeutic right. perspective, um, and, and he's been a wonderful addition to the family. Um, so we added things into our life that we felt would give us greater support, more reason to to live. Um, I think I say to my wife on a, on a regular basis, you know, it's, it's all about reminding ourselves why we're alive, what things drive us. And I try and do something fun every day, something that I go, I really enjoyed that. That sounds quite selfish. I'm not. I'm, no, I'm not at all. Because <laughs> um, life is for living, right? So, I'm, you know, we've got to live our life and do something that brings us joy each day. Otherwise, when our brains naturally default to the negative. Yeah. because that's how we survive but we need to find joy in in every every day and and joy in in the things that we do and we might might not find it always yeah. but having that outlook that positive outlook to find something that's enjoyable so when you get to the end of the day you can go today was a great day yeah, yeah. it's really I, important yeah today i achieved something or today um i enjoyed doing this or today i just got out of bed like it doesn't have to be some days you can accept that you're not at your peak of your powers. And and I do have days, you know, I'd say probably 90% of the time I keep this positive demeanour that you're seeing right now. And I have moments, hours, uh, minutes where I just have a really low moment or I feel yeah. sad about something and, or I'm triggered by something. Yeah. Um, and I just have to feel it. You know, I try and go through that and just accept that I'm not feeling great and I don't put yeah. any pressure on myself and, and I live through that. And then I come yeah. out the other side and I'm, I'm back in the right frame of mind. I'm like, okay, we go, we go again. And what can I do tomorrow to just give me a little boost? I think that maybe it could be as simple as just to go for a dog walk through to game of golf, through to yeah. Yeah, going to see a very good friend, whatever it may yeah. be. Um, but it's about trying to find that balance in my life all the time of, of why I want to live. What, what, yeah. What what's going to get you up the next morning to look forward to, and what may, and what what did you have to what did you achieve in the day that was that was joyful? Do you know yeah. I love the way that you drew on the five pillars of brain health there because you talked about you know how am I feeling, what can I do? So feelings, actions, which what can I do? Connections, you you know you got yourself a dog. Who can yeah. I connect with that's going to bring me joy? Yeah. thoughts what thoughts am I having and how can I deal with those thoughts what what ways can I bring some joy um in terms of any self-talk that might be going on in the background and also looking at your surroundings mm-hmm. and how you can use those surroundings getting outside is a massive thing isn't it yeah, for, for helping your brain health get out and connect with nature and if yeah. you can't do it in the normal way that you were doing it because of your circumstances because you don't have the energy find another way yeah adjust you've got to i mean life is just one big problem solving game isn't it you just and it's just another adjustment it's just another okay that's not going to work anymore but there's other things i enjoy doing outside so what do they look like you know i'm very fortunate i live 500 yards away from the beach so quite often i just go down to the beach for 20 30 minutes with a coffee you know it's feeling that level of, I guess, also reminding yourself of the like the level of insignificance you are in the, in the greater structure of this of this universe, and and you know reflecting on that when you look out the ocean or the sea, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I I'm completely with you on that. I absolutely love, you know, for me it's mountains and also the ocean, the power of the waves, and that they're constant. You know, there's a constant, isn't there, yes. of ebb and flow and and movement, and and just knowing that we have to make the most of the time that we have on this planet because it's so such a short period of time 
compared to, to, to the earth that we have to make the most of it. So I'd love to know, just could you go through your journey as to how you, how did you get through the treatment? What were the, what were the real, real changes that really helped you with altering the outcome of your diagnosis? Um, well, from a, from a mental perspective or physical perspective? Let's start with mental. We'll go through all of the all of the four quadrants of well being. Okay. Okay. So, um, from a mental perspective, like I said, I think you you start to again you adjust. Like you start to go, okay, this is my new reality. Um, I could lament and I could feel sorry for myself. And I, look, I'm not saying I didn't have periods where I yeah. did lament and feel sorry for myself, but I also put a lot of energy into going right. Okay, you still want to be here. We don't. I, I'm. I don't have faith. It's not part of my. Yeah, personal. that's okay. And so I don't really have a view on you know why we're here. What what is the point? Yeah. Of um. So for me, I'm. I'm. I've always worked to a mantra of just just enjoy it as much as you possibly can. Um, yeah. And maybe reveal to me at some point, but um, right now it's not. And then for me, it's just enjoy as much. So again, so how do I get back to that? How do I get back to enjoying this existence despite this? You know, pretty negative news. And looking at, well, did you strategize? You know, think about your future yeah. and what would my, what do I want my future to look like? Is that yeah, something I mean, that you yeah. did? Yeah. Look, I mean, look, so from a, let, let me sort of break it down in terms of my sort of pillars. That I sort of, I have five pillars yeah. that I judge my life by, which is um, family, friends, um, health, work, and financial. They're, they're, uh -huh. So I, I look across and I go, right, financially, you know, and I accept my privilege here. I'm, I mean, I've worked well and then earn enough money to be in a position where I can live relatively comfortably um, uh -huh. and I accept that privilege and I'm you know, very fortunate that I have that position to start from um, so financially I'm okay right health yeah. obviously that's a big negative at the moment mm -hmm. <laughs> then what was my family my family setup is great you know I'm, I love my wife love my kids got yeah. great relationships now I had a bit of a sort of uh, troubled relationship with my father during my sort of teenage years which definitely uh -huh. now I understand relates more back to my mum's depression um i um but my wider family is yeah for the most part good relationships then looking at my friendships um i had to be um quite um ruthless i i removed some of my friends people who i felt were a negative energy um, yeah and that's so important is you know yeah. you have to surround yourself with people that lift you up and not pull yeah. you down like beyond belief I think that is so important I think the impact of negative energy I mean I, like I say on a constant like even if my kids are being you know sad or miserable I'm like guys we don't need the negative energy come on let's talk about it let's fix the problem yeah. let's work it out or let's just you know just let things happen smoothly but let's not bring the negativity um, and I think that is yeah that was a big part of it so like I said like kind of refine my friend network I don't mean that to sound callous um, but I felt it was important that I had the right people around me um, and I could rely on those people and be there for them as well as them being for me, uh, being there for me. Um, yeah. And um, I forgot my last pillar, work. Uh, like my, my whole viewpoint yeah. of work has completely changed. Like prior to the diagnosis, I was sort of ambitious. I wanted to be, you know, I was interested in job titles. I was interested in salary. Yeah. I'm, not, so I'm not interested in, in having, I want to be paid what I'm worth. That's fine. Yeah. I'm not seeking to become, X, Y, and Z, I don't want to become an imagine yeah. director or CEO or whatever, or run my own business, which at one point I did. That doesn't matter to me at all. I mean, work for me, um, I, and, and, and again, I, some people sort of go, just don't work, like you've, you've done well. And I'm like, that, yeah. I, I accept, I, I appreciate that viewpoint, but for me, work brings a real sort of value and purpose to my day. Uh, it, it defines me differently. I didn't want to become defined by cancer. That was another big part of it. I wanted to yeah. be 
I still wanted to be me. I wanted people to know me for me rather than being like, oh, there's the guy with cancer. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, so I, so I felt having a job was important in that, you know, being able to define yourself with something else or have other thoughts in your head. Albeit yeah. in my head, sometimes I sometimes think they're quite trivial compared to the experience I'm going through. Um, but at the same time, I still think there's a lot of value in that, being able to put your head into Absolutely. something. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I sort of addressed it from those five perspectives and went, right, these are the things I need to address. Yeah. So with work, I became, I, I left the company I was working for, went to do a job where I was home-based, um, where I had more control of my working time. Uh, right. Time. Um, I moved to a four-day working week um, with a view that I just wanted a better balance in my life. Um, and all those things have come to fruition and, and been really smart moves for me. It's allowed me to have time. So once a week on a Monday or a Friday, I have time to myself. Um, Brilliant. Go and play golf, take the dog for a walk, whatever it may be. You know, yeah, to recharge I, and reboot and reflect. Yeah. yeah, but it also means I can still give you know all my energy at the weekends to the kids and, and to my wife. Brilliant. Likewise. So again, just doing all these things, sort of just trying to bit by bit, and this happened over the course of what probably – 18 months, two years, not like yeah. at all. It's yeah. all, all sorted. You know, I've had to have, you alluded to earlier, but I had to have a lot of difficult conversations with existing relationships. So, you know, part of my therapy has been focusing on my relationship with both my parents, my relationship with my brother, yeah. relationship with my wife, my kids, uh, and my best friends, and sort of refining those and going, well, you know, I find this, this, this behavior or this feeling creates resentment. I want to mm-hmm. remove that. How do I remove that? What do I do? Mm-hmm. What do I do? I can't just put it all on someone else and say it's their fault or they're the problem. You know, what am I doing to create that? Why am I feeling resentful? So, you know, I've worked on a lot of strategies to remove a lot of that resentment, um, mm-hmm. remove behaviors such as being trying to be less passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, socially, I was conditioned to be quite authoritative, like my dad was quite an authoritative parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how did I, I don't want to be an authoritative parent. How do I unchain that? How do I um, become? person i want to be not just copying what someone else did um mm. so again how do i look at that and what do i do to change that um and so I've, yeah i guess there's a myriad of things that i've sort of tried to put in place and reflect on and go yeah i like that part of my life great we'll carry on doing that but actually this part of my life i would like to address what i'm going to mm. do about it and that will even come in the form of uh you know mental health exercise um nutrition um diet uh, all those things you know i've added a lot of supplements into my diet as well just to support what i'm doing mm-hmm. uh, so yeah so it's, 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 it's a huge it's, huge shift yeah i think a huge shift over a gradual period of time i didn't sort yeah. of go all guns blazing i think you have to work out what's right for you absolutely and absolutely very yeah and i love the way you talked about um you know your five pillars it, it fall, falls into what we call what i call the four sectors of life yeah which is our relationships which you mentioned your family and your friends other other is the first sector and it's so important that we look at what do we want out of those mm-hmm. relationships and are, is my behavior getting me what i want so we, we, we do all of this on a, a one-page miracle sheet we call it it's, is to look at all of the sectors of life and then you talked about our work your work life and you could include community there yeah. and it is work giving me what i want yeah. and the answer for you was no yeah. so you so what do i need to do to change it yeah. uh, and then you looked at your finances that was tickety-de-boo so no nothing real no real action within reason yes taken, yeah. to be taken there other than finding the right job that suited you 
yeah. and then and then finally you looked at your self-care your personal health uh, and well-being and what what changes did you need to make from a healthcare perspective and and you obviously looked at your emotional health your physical health your mental health and your spiritual health and by spiritual I'm not talking you know connecting to a a god or anything i'm talking about connecting to your core values right, what yeah. gives you purpose and passion in life and how you want to connect with other people and yeah. maybe connect with the planet and you yeah. talked about connecting with nature and and how can you get the most out of those connections to you and to the external world that is going to bring you the growth outcomes you want personally yeah from a self-care perspective and that's really i'm really pleased you went through all of that and you managed to find the answers as what do i need to do yeah. to help me get what i want what behaviors do i need to adopt what behaviors do i need to change and that, that you mentioned that you obviously you needed to fix some relationship struggles that were yeah. you know the yeah, yeah. dynamics weren't quite working and getting you what you wanted yeah. um, and quite serving you so so obviously uh, we as you as you quite rightly say that you were not ever going to do that in a one hit go because you have to address them gradually step by step yeah what was the um what was the biggest needle mover for you on that journey what what did you find that helped you the most was it was it the taking time out you know giving yourself permission to have a day back yeah. um, or was it what was it it's a really good question. What was the biggest? It's, I, I think it's. A, or was it incremental yeah. shift? I don't know. It's because it's it's not um, quantifiable. You can't just go. You can't. I can't give you tangible data and go. When I started this, this started to improve. I think you know. And let's bring this back to to the, the medical, the, the health, the physical situation of my cancer. Yeah. Like, I think one of the big things for me is I'm someone said this to me for a long time in my life but it's progress over perfection right you, you can't you can't get to this perfect the perfect doesn't exist anyway no. you know, even though i'm constant i'm constantly evolving and trying to change and get better new things will come into my life that will change how i view something and i'll need to address it or I need to you know, work on it uh, but yeah progress over perfection i think what the other thing that was happening for me physically is that whilst i'd sort of so i'd started my chemotherapy um which I still have. So I've had what, 190 mm -hmm. sessions of chemotherapy now. I have it every wow. two weeks and have done since I was first diagnosed. I've had radiotherapy. Um, I've had 14, you know, 15 operations, if you include last Tuesdays, um, to remove the 33 tumors I had in my liver. Um, and I think what happened after three months, I went to see my oncologist and he was like, look, good news. We've got a heck of a long way to go and it's still not a great outlook, but you know, your tumors start to shrink um and it's in the blood marker which is called the blood cea level which mm -hmm. used to be colon or, or liver cancer is um is, is reduced it's gone down from what it was mm -hmm. so you're like okay well right okay so mentally for me that was really that was a really big shift for me to be able to go great was, there is progress there is actually some hope everything that i've believed you know in the, the sort of mental approach uh, the shifts in my sort of physical and, and my lifestyle have, have had an impact i don't know by what percentage and which has been the most impactful um you know and i think that varies depending on who you're talking to you know my nutritionist will say she had a big part to play in it mm -hmm. uh, my therapist will say she had a big part to play in it my oncologist will say he had the biggest part to play in it uh, you know it, it, I don't really, it's not a competition is it the point well i think at the end of the day it's a system isn't it so it's the system, system. Yeah. You, yeah. your body is a whole system 
so yeah. you can make adjustments but ultimately the system talks to each every part of your system talks to the other you know your brain's connected to your gut your gut's connected to your to your liver yeah. so when you when you start optimizing all of them uh, and finding the the right balance so that they can talk effectively and have the right positive conversations internally like you were saying let's be positive yeah. then the, then the system's going to work they're going to work with itself to yeah. to to make you you know better yeah. um, rather than working against it so i think they all you know all of the steps that you've taken have been really important but at an integrated level has what's been the i think the needle movers you looked at everything yeah yeah, yeah and that's absolutely right and i think with the, with the sort of overarching watchword of progress like everything i've made progress with my financial outcome i've made progress with my health i've made progress with my friends with my family with my yeah uh, with my things so and, and then my physical health started to make progress as well so i'm like okay if i keep working down this down this road um then there's a there's hope there's still hope for me and i think yeah I know they say sometimes hope kills, but in this instance, hope has kept me alive, and I've I've driven off that. You know, like I said, we, we feed off the, every day. I wake up because I want to be there for my kids and, and do everything I can because of my own childhood experience where I felt I didn't have a mum for five years and it had quite a significant impact on me as a person. Yeah. Now, you know, I've talked to my mum about this, and I've you know, and that's part of this process is that you you speak to these people and share this feeling. And go, look, I I understand the impact of what happened. There was no ill intent on your part. I, I don't love you any less as a result of it. But this is the things that it's made me, which is I'm a people pleaser. I have anxious attachment. Um, I have things yeah. that um, I have to learn to deal with that I wish I didn't have to deal with, but I do. Right, and that's yeah. fine. And that, and it's not about lamenting that and going, "Well, it's your fault, Mum. You made me a people pleaser, and all yeah. I want to do is make other people happy. And I don't want to make myself happy." And actually, going, "Well, actually, how can I use people pleasing to an advantage, but also be aware Absolutely. that I'm being a people pleaser sometimes to my disadvantage, and yeah. try to move or reduce the disadvantage situations and increase the advantage situations." So it's it's not about it's about taking responsibility as well. I think that's a big yeah. part, of it. and it's something I don't really talk much about. But I think having that ability to go, "Look, no one else is going to change this for me," you know. That's another part of my mum's depression because she, I kind of, our dynamic switched. I became her parent. I became the person. Yeah. Her. And all this, so I've never been um, a person that's needed my parental help. I've never been like, oh my God, something bad's happened to me at work or something bad's happened to me. I've fallen down the stairs. I need your help. Mom, I need your help, Dad. I don't operate like that. I, I rely on myself for help. It's like, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I need to contact such a person to get in contact with the hospital or to contact an ambulance or wherever it may be. Um, so I rely on myself. So I think taking that responsibility and not looking around you going, hopefully someone's going to help me here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a really good point because, you know, we uh, Tanner Amon um, says our, our responsibility is our ability to respond. Yeah. So, so it's important that we own what's within our control and our life is within our control. And yes, it, you know, you, you testament, you know, a fantastic testament to the power to take responsibility for overcoming, uh, you know, a, a diagnosis that some people are not able, able to overcome um, for whatever reason. But actually having that focus on I, I can take control. This is my time. I'm going to make shifts in my lifestyle that is going to serve me over the long term 
and give me a long a long term yeah. as well and i and i what i find fascinating about your story is you know your diagnosis um almost forced you into a position to pause reflect and go okay what i've done to date has not necessarily served me yeah <laughs> it, it, you know or, yes some things have but some things haven't what can i do what's within my control to make those changes and how can i make them in a way that's going to serve my family and right. my kids and give me give them hope for the future it's not just about giving yourself hope it's about giving uh, hope to other people as well yeah it's absolutely that it's, it's also acknowledging your role still exists you're not just suddenly become all about you and you still got to be you know i think i have a, a saying that i've sort of carried with me uh, again from quite early on uh, from doing a bit of reading uh, which yeah. is what's happened it's not it's not what happens to you in life that defines you it's how you react that absolutely people you and i think that sticks with me it always sticks with me it's not like okay i got cancer i died i didn't have any choice like no i do have choice um i got cancer i was told i was going to die I want to prove that wrong. I want to still be here as much, for as long as possible and enjoy this as long as possible. And that's how I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered for being someone who um, believed that, you know, the possible, the impossible was possible. Yeah. Um, I think my, my, my eldest, he's a, he's a little bit of a, a geek. He loves, he's, he loves picking up on little sayings and things. And he often says it's everything's, uh, nothing's impossible until it becomes possible. Oh, I've got that wrong way around. Nothing's possible until you can... No, nothing is impossible until it becomes possible. I can't remember. It's something I'm on Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> it's possible. Um, and I, wanted to, I believe in that. So, again, it, it works for me. And, um, yeah, it's, it's got me to a situation where I'm feeling like there is still a lot of hope for me. And, yeah. And yeah. and I think, you know, the, for me, the, the saying I like is the only person's opinion that matters as to whether you can or can't do something is your own. So you 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 know you own that decision, you own the thought process, you you own uh, the choice as to whether it's possible or it isn't possible, um, yeah. and that choice will define your your future outcome. You chose to say, "I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to that diagnosis. There is there is a a future for me, and I'm gonna make it happen yeah. <laughs> beyond yeah. the beyond the year, um, yeah. and I'm gonna." Blimmin' well, make it happen for as long as practically possible. What do I need to do to make that happen? (laughs) Rather than dwelling on the what isn't going to happen. And and nobody knows what the future holds for any of us. No, absolutely. Uh, You know, so predicting the worst, which is obviously what medicine uh, has to do, it it isn't the future. (laughs) It's just a prediction. Exactly and you that. you choose your future, not the not the not the words that the, that you that you're told. Yeah, uh, exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> um, I think you, uh, that's something I would probably be adding to my own little bank of you know sayings and things that I thought now and again just <laughs> back into and just go, yeah, okay, I like that. I'll be keeping that. One. <laughs> so I'd love to transition to some fun facts because I know this has okay. been quite a deep conversation. Um, and we, we're talking about the fun facts is the five pillars of brain health, feelings, actions, connections, thoughts and surroundings. So, so for you, let's just dive into a couple of them. Connecting, and we've talked a lot about this, connection to yourself. 
what is the most important value that guides you in life? Um, most important value? Um, I think probably for me, it's it's difficult because I don't believe there's just one thing, but my, my current watchword, my thing that really I feel helps uh, refocus my brain is, is perspective. Um, I think perspective is a really positive way of me addressing my situation. You know, people will go, it's, uh, it's not fair that you have to go in for another operation, for example. I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. some people go into an operation with a much less, uh, much less of a chance of coming out of it. I know I'm going to go into this and come out of it, be absolutely, well, I'll be fine. Yeah. Whereas they just haven't removed the tumour. So I, you can... Yeah, so the outcome for you is going to be better than, than the going in outcome. The yeah, situation. Well, anything like every situation. I remember, and this this is perhaps a little bit close to the bottom. I remember having a really deep conversation with my wife two or three years ago, and I'm not quite sure why we were sort of pitting one against the other, but it was kind of like I, I was feeling a bit sorry for myself, and I sort of said, "I, I don't think there's anything worse than being told you're going to die." Um, and she contested that and said, "I, I think there is. I think there's." multiple things are worse i'm not necessarily going to delve into them but there's no, like, no that's all right um yeah situations that people have experienced you've just been reading a book where it'd be quite a harrowing experience for the person involved or the lead character um and um and i was i mean i was sort of contesting it and i sort of after about an hour and a half of contesting it uh, to which point we both went, why are we contesting this like, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a competition but um we both lamented both reflected on it and i think that was kind of the dawning moment for me to go well, hang on a minute, there is actually, you know, it's quite, whilst it was quite a conflicting conversation, we both got quite heated. Um, I think that dawned on me that point where it's just when situated people across the world will have far worse situations than you. You know, I'm yeah. very, I've got good medical care around me. I've got an oncology session. Like the network and living in the UK provides you with a, you know, a lot of security in this regard. Um, yeah. And there are places in the world where people will get diagnosed with stage two cancer uh, and it may only be in there. So I'm not trying to belittle any cancer because any cancer is difficult, but it's, it's something that's less aggressive as a cancer and, and in theory more treatable. Yeah. But they don't have the access to medical care. Well, mm-hmm. would I rather be in my situation or be in their situation? I'd rather be in my situation because at least mm-hmm. there's a cancer can do something about it in their situation. Yeah. They've got no. And home. you've got that network, like you said, you've got yeah. that that network yeah. around you to support you through whatever life yeah. throws at you. If yeah, so- if you're prepared to throw it back. Yeah, it's a, it's a take. I, I think it's just constantly trying to take stock of the situation and go, look, it could be worse. It could, and, yeah. and if it was worse, would I still be able to deal with it? I'd give it a go for sure. But I yeah. still, I kind of, it's a, it's an odd one because obviously it's not lucky that I got stage four cancer. It's, it's pretty awful, like with stage four cancer. But at the same time, I, I kind of, and I think I allude to this in, in a couple of things, but I allude to the fact that it, it has enhanced my life in so many ways. And I got again to take that perspective and go well actually you know i've got better relationships with the people i love i have a better relationship with work because i put more energy into what i deem now much more important things which is relationships connection um i've got a better outlook on my financial outlook i'm not trying to make loads of money i'm not trying to do x y and z i'm just i'm happy i've got money that means i can live a life that i enjoy mm-hmm. uh, and i think having all those points of perspective give you a greater perspective of going right okay it could be worse and therefore if it could be worse we can do this we can manage our way through this and we can get to the other side and i think that's probably been my key value it might not be my key value but it feels like my key value right now no no i mean if, if that's what comes to mind first and i think it's a great key value because um 
you know, I always like think of perspective as you can look outside and look at the weather and it could be raining and you think, oh, I don't want to go outside. But actually, for those that have got kids, rain is a brilliant thing because it means you, you get puddles. Yeah. And so, right. your, you know, your perspective shifts depending on your age in life, but also what you want to make of the environment, the situation that you're in um to 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 best effect to use it to your advantage and the fact that you've used the diagnosis to your advantage uh, and now are living a much more fulfilling life you know and and have a much more wholesome happy joyful uh, life where you are aware of all of the things all of those five pillars you talked about you know your family your friends your your work, your your health. Um, I've forgotten what the last one was, uh, and your finances. Yeah. But you can look at all of those and go, "I'm I am happy yeah. <laughs> uh, across well, all absolutely. of those," and yeah. I'm looking for ways I can bring joy. And I think that's really important. Yeah, and it, and if those things you're looking, I mean, yeah, I think. Sorry, going back to the perspective, the other thing I think that's brilliant absolutely is you take another people's perspective. Um, I was again, I think. The more you broaden your network, the more you're, the more you broaden your own connections with people, the more you see things differently. And I've got a friend who's who's not been able to walk from the age of about 17, uh, 16, mm-hmm. 17. Um, you know, and I sort of sometimes look out the window and go, oh, it's not very nice today. I don't want to take the dog for a walk in this. And I just think to him and just go, well, you know, he doesn't ever have the option of taking the dog for a walk. I mean, he yeah. there's, there's ways of him dealing with that, sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the actual physical action of just getting up and walking he doesn't have the option of doing and you know again that's just perspective where you go well thank goodness i can and so therefore i will and therefore i will you know try and take it with it that frame of mind of going well i'm fortunate to be able to do this and it's something yeah. you know every human takes for granted the things they have and then they forget about the things they don't have or they lament the things they don't have and it's such a strange i mean you will probably know much better more about it than i do but um, I think it's trying to sort of broaden that that outlook and go. It's not just your perspective. It's, there's so many different perspectives, and in every situation, you'll find yourself in. You're, you, know, you sit around the table with ten people. Ten people have a different perspective on something, and it's interesting to know what those perspectives are. So you yeah. can learn from it, take from it, and, and utilize it for yourself. Yeah, and I and I love the fact that you know you talked about I you know when we talked earlier you talked about hope. So you 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 started with I hope I can. <laughs> Uh, conversation in your head. I hope I can do this. I hope I can do that. Yeah. And now you've got to the conversation. I can do this. Yeah. So, that, so you've got a shift. And now you've just mentioned to me, I will do this. And and then and the self talk that we have rumbling inside our head is so powerful because yeah. our thoughts influence our behaviours. Our thoughts influence our autonomic system. So how to how we respond it influences yeah. the emotions we have. Um, and the conversations we have with ourselves internally, which is important, we verbalise externally, so we know what we're talking to ourselves about um, and bring it to our conscious awareness, is really important yeah. to to win win that mental battle yeah, um, that might be going on inside your mind. That's what that, that's I haven't thought about it from that perspective, but you're right. My language does change throughout that because when you first start, you hope because you've never done it before, and you're like, it, I, I hope I can do it. I'm not sure I can, but I believe I've got a good chance. And then it changes, it starts to change. And I think 
Um, you know, now you've said that, I've framed it in that way. It's made me refer back on a point when I was probably about a year and a half ago. And my wife suddenly said, I've noticed that you're a lot more, the language you're using is a lot more confident. You're a lot more, yeah. you, know, you feel like you, you, you're capable of doing this rather than thinking you can do this or potentially going to be able to do this. You're now saying you can do it and that's a big shift. And it's, yeah, yeah. I framed it like that in my head, but you're absolutely right, Ruth. It's a, it's a great way of putting it. And thank you. And language really has power, you know, and I think we underestimate the power that language has in our mind in terms of our mindset shift, you know, from a brain health perspective, but also the power it has on our body, because what we say to ourselves is going to be our perspective to going back to your core value. Um, If our perspective on life is that's it's done and dusted, you know, what they say is true and I'm just going to accept that then we'll start telling ourselves things that will stop our body from having the fight that it's entitled to have so having those conversations those positive conversations and we talk about ants from a brain health perspective automatic negative thoughts that we have about um I think 30,000 thoughts or or more every single day and if the majority of them are negative that's going to have a negative impact on yep. your health potentially. Yep. You might not notice it in the near term, but in the long term, it can have a huge impact on our health because it changes how our body, our mind communicates with our body and so yeah. on. And, and making that shift is really important. Yeah. Uh, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, it fundamentally shifts how, you, whilst you may not notice it in the very short term, you will notice that you feel just not as happy you, you'll notice that your general feeling towards people towards things is less positive and if you keep feeding that negativity or if you keep feeding that that thought process of, of negative thoughts then yeah I'd, I'd, it's probably only one way isn't it which is yeah and it's hard you know and as you know emotions have power you know we, you talked about having a heated conversation with your mouth with your wife about your diagnosis because our emotions have a huge amount of energy associated with it and and surround yourself with people who have the energy and the emotions that really lift you up so you can ride that wave of positivity and not be sucked into you know bongo sliding for those that know surfing you know and getting trashed by a wave of negativity um rather than riding it in a in a in a way that's going to serve you so negative emotions are okay if you leverage them to help you rather than to hurt you so anger is a good emotion um because we can use it to help us really propel ourselves forward with with gusto uh and really express and release you know that kind of fight uh release that anger forces you to have and you can do you can do the release in whatever way serves you so i'd love to go back into the next fun facts question because we know this is a great lead on to it is thoughts so this is the fourth pillar thoughts what stupid crazy thought have you had that you've often told yourself in the past that isn't true i think i think what i answered this i think um, I think I put uh, based on the myth that you uh, eat. Um, apparently, you eat eight spiders a year in your sleep. Uh, it's always really cool. <laughs> the idea of going to sleep. I'm not a fan of spiders. Uh, the idea of going to sleep and the possibility that I've consumed a spider in my sleep really bothers me. Anyway, I've discovered since that it's not true. Um, but for probably at least thirty years of my life, 
I've I've been working on the bonus. I've been swarming spiders, and I've not enjoyed it at all. Yeah. And you haven't. Uh, and well, I wonder if that's affected your. Did it? Has it ever affected you going to sleep? Yeah, that's all. Yeah, particularly particularly my sort of childhood. I'd say what sort of between before we came to like sort of nine, ten, eleven. That sort of. I basically I've watched arachnophobia. Um, and, and that triggered you. And that's true. And, and, and then I, and off the back of that, I'd already been told that apparently we consumed, and that, I was fine. And then when I watched Arachnophobia, the idea that I was consuming something that, you know, it, it naively, <laughs> silly as, as a child, I go, uh, what if I consume it and then it kills me from the inside out? You know, it's just ridiculous thoughts. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a brilliant, that's a, honestly, that's a brilliant one because it, and the, the reason I think it's it's great that you've brought it brought it to to the show is the fact that we tell ourselves things when we're kids. Yes. And it's like a broken record player, and we play it again yep. and again and again and again. And it isn't until you either get a therapist or you read a self help book and you learn about ants, um, <laughs> automatic negative thoughts, is that you can learn you can squash them, so you yep. don't have an ant infestation in your head and you're and you're getting rid of all of those ants like get squashing all the spiders that you probably thought you were eating that you're totally not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and making sure that you you know you take back control of your of your mindset uh, and you're not playing these crazy thoughts around in your head all the time correct absolutely right <laughs> absolutely right. yes yeah i still i still probably say there's work in progress there but i think for the most part in terms of squashing ants i think that's yeah, it's, it does it perfectly summarise it, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you have to get your little anteater. I don't have the toy with me. It's down. Yeah. It's downstairs. But get the anteater and uh, and start hoovering up those ants inside your Absolutely. head. But Absolutely. but you have to write the thoughts down. You have to say them out loud as yeah. what's most important yeah. to acknowledge that they're at, you're actually got them in your head in the first place. I think so. yeah, I mean, look, you're absolutely right. It, it is, and again, that's a process. Isn't it? it doesn't just you don't just suddenly go right. I've got. 100 thoughts boom there they are and i need to deal with them like again <laughs> it will happen gradually and over time but um these things yeah will will come to roost and you've got to yeah, work away and deal with it um, yeah and and yeah. I, I think it's really important here is to reflect on the fact that and i know we talked about it a little bit um in terms of your past how you've overcome trauma in your life is that trauma stacks and it's important that we get to the root cause of the trauma because trauma grows like a tree so uh, in the same as other uh, situations like uh, physical trauma, if you, if you don't address the seed of the trauma early on, that seed will take root as it did for you when you were a child with your mum mum's depression yep. and it grows and grows and grows and nobody was able to tell you how to chop that tree down <clears throat> so that the seed was no longer there or dig it up exactly and so when your child your son was born wilf um you already had a layer of trauma so your brain was already vulnerable uh and the seed grew even you know the tree grew even stronger and grew more branches because you yeah. now had an, uh, other layers of trauma yeah. <clears throat> and then obviously what we know although still science in progress is is that trauma can often trigger um changes in our immune system it can trigger changes in how our body reacts um and actually can be the seed of chronic illnesses such as the one that you've experienced and yeah. are continuing to 
to battle um, if we don't deal with the past trauma, which thankfully you've been able to do through your therapist. And and I know it's still work in progress. uh, And it's great you can acknowledge that because we never uh, don't necessarily have the opportunity to overcome it fully, but it's to learn how to manage it and how to deal with it and leverage, like you say, your people pleasing yeah. to, to best effect and know when it's not going to serve you yeah. uh, and know why it's yeah. not going to serve you and how you can how you can deal with that. But we have to do that deep work yes. in order to release to give ourselves permission to release the emotions, to release the anger, to release the thoughts and understand what those thoughts are. Like you said, the spider, <laughs> the spider thing, understand them and, and learn that they're not true um and, and squash squash those ants as well yeah i, I think that's i and, and truthfully ever since i connected with you ruth i think it was i've sort of thought more and more about this this is kind of something that you've alerted me to or made me aware of yeah um, and i do wonder how much of my progress has been made as a result of me you know some would potentially argue too late further too late down the line but dealing with the trauma of my life like uh, not my life but like of, of incidents throughout my life yeah, uh, and actually addressing them and, and, and speaking to them, opening up about them, understanding why it, it's impacting me and how it's impacting me. Yeah, and I wonder if that has played a, a huge uh, impact in terms of where I am and why I'm here today. And again, look, various people would say different things, and because there's no tangible data to prove otherwise, we have to just you know, work on the principle that they've all mm. helped. But I, I am becoming, I'm, I'm more and more interested. I've started doing a bit more reading around it because I, I am fascinated by the idea that it could be the fact that I'm resolving or um, like you said, you can't remove trauma. It's happened and it's and it exists and, it, and it's yeah. a result of that, but you can learn to deal with it. And I wonder if because I've started to learn to deal with it, um, I'm also getting better. Like it, it can't be a coincidence. Or maybe yeah. can't, maybe you know, my oncologist go, well, it's actually still all about your chemotherapy and your, your radiotherapy that's meant that you're still here. And I'm not well, it, it, I don't know. But I believe I, I think it's a really good point, though, is because your chemotherapy deals with the present situation, which is the fact that you had cancer. And, yes. I, you know, we talked about when we first spoke as my dad's mum had yes. um, cancer. Um, she, she ended up breast cancer. It spread over, everywhere throughout the body. And that was a long time ago when, we, when the, 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 the treatments weren't available. But she had a very uh, tumultuous childhood experience. She was. She wanted to was um, accepted a place in art school, Royal, Royal College of Arts in London. Her, her father wouldn't allow her to go, and um, because she was a woman, and so her her passion that she had in life was kind of taken away from her. Uh, and then uh, she, my dad was born very premature, just like your son. So she had all of that to contend with, and he was born in the right at the beginning of the war, um, wow. and so she had all of that to deal with. Plus, her other family family matters that she had to contend with as well um and I think you know we'll never know of course but I think when we have layers of trauma that are quite severe but we don't address them they can express themselves uh in in within your body in ways it can be completely different for everybody how it gets expressed but you know there's work done by Gabal Mate um when the when the body says no is is that you know we really do need to take that time um and i love that you've done this is to look at the four quadrants of our well-being is our emotional well-being our physical well-being 
our mental well-being and our spiritual well-being and and for you your emotions were tied up with your past and and the emotions around the diagnosis obviously your traumas that you mentioned your physical well-being is looking at the actions that you could take uh, yeah. to improve your life in lifestyle interventions your mental well-being with with your therapist and squashing the ants yeah. that are rumbling around in your, yeah, yeah. your head and all of that kind of stuff and giving you you know looking strategically and then obviously your spiritual well-being is connecting with you your core values and beliefs what you want in life and, and connecting with the people that you love and living a life of purpose to be there for your kids and I think it's it, it you know I know we talked earlier what what makes the biggest difference well we'll never know but you have to look at everything you have to look yeah. at yourself holistically from an integrated perspective and address all of those four quadrants to I, give I, yourself the best chance I truly believe that yeah I think that is whilst you can pinpoint and you can highlight certain things that have had what you believe to be very big impacts on you I think actually I, I can't help but just keep coming back to the idea that it's just every, if you look at everything or as much of it as possible you give yourself the best chance of addressing the points of worry concern negativity whatever it may look like to to move yourself forward and move yourself out mm. of that situation so yeah I think you've summarized it beautifully and what what would your one piece of advice be because you know it's a fantastic survival story for for yourself and and you know and offering so much hope for people who do get given a a really abrupt diagnosis where they think you know life is life is is coming to a close and actually for you it's almost it's almost a new beginning a brand new chapter yeah. what what one piece of advice would you you give anybody who's been given a, a, a diagnosis of cancer? Oh, so it's, a, again, an absolutely brilliant question. Um, I think, um, look, we've, we've hit on a couple of, uh, quite a few sort of watchwords, hope, belief, uh, hope, um, perspective, um, you know, attitude and outlook to, to how you want to change. Um, I think belief, I think is probably the, the biggest thing. I, or it, maybe it's not, but I feel like it, right now, I feel like that is the, the, the sort of the, the watchword, the operative word. Uh, I think it's the word that perhaps best encapsulates everything. In that, if you, even if it's just a small bit of belief, if, if there is some part of you that is going, I've got a chance, or I can do something here, or I can change this, or I can address this, or I believe in myself to some level that there are changes that can be made. And you may not make all of them, and it may not be all perfectly concluded or res resolved, but it, it, it's the idea that you are doing that, the idea that you're being proactive. And I think. Um, you know, I, I speak to a lot of people who, who've had cancer diagnosis, and, and not for any reason, other than just you know, a friend mm -hmm. of mine tell me that someone's been diagnosed, and would I speak to them and just share my view or story with them? And I think you can, there is a definite difference between the people who I feel have a more positive outlook and the people who are more lamenting their situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's belief. I think the difference between the two of those, those sort of, if I'm putting them into two parts, the difference between them is one one believes and the other one doesn't. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that's easy, and I'm not judging that person for not being able to leave because it's horrible. And it's a really, you know, it's something that I, for whatever reason, my brain is wired in a way that I can deal with this. Like there are mm -hmm. things in life that I'm not sure I would be able to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are situations or traumas or experiences that I sort of look at and go, could I actually contend with that? I'm not sure. This situation, I can't. You know, it, uh, my brain is, is wired in a certain way. I, I understand myself in a certain way, and I, I adopt an approach to life that suits this this particular 
trauma. Um, and I think, going back to the point, I think it's just underpinning everything with belief. I think, if, I, I believe. I, I, did, I, I believe. And do you know, I think that's really important because often they say is that, you know, believe you can and you're halfway there. Yeah. And the fact that you have that hope to believe that it, anything is possible and, yeah. and you're not defined by people's words or statements. Yeah. You, you yeah. define you. I mean, we're, we're quite good as a society at bigging up people who have that bit. Like, you, you know, you quite often hear sports people or, or people in, you, you've gone on to be, you know, youth success, you, you know, Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos, whatever, three, two. Yeah. Sports people who've, who've you know, were told I was never going to make it, I was never good enough, people didn't believe in me, people that I always believed in myself. Like, it's again, it's, it's trying to pick out some of these sort of telltale signs in society in life. We do get told this on a regular basis. People tell us, like, how did you get And People go, I just believed in myself. And it's quite a sort of, yeah. well, I believed in myself and I didn't make it. So, you know, what's it on about? But you didn't believe in yourself. You obviously didn't. Yeah. You didn't back yourself to be able to accomplish that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's backing up what you're saying as well. It's being able to go, I did believe in it and I did it and I'm, I'm going to continue yeah. doing it. And I hope I can encourage and support people yeah. to do it as well. And, and, and do you know, I think it's really good because from, a, you know, in the Wellbeing Academy, the Wellbeing Warrior Academy that I have is that there's like four steps. You've got a dream. Yep. You've got yep. to believe. You've got a plan. And then you've got to do. Yeah. <laughs> dream, yep. believe, plan and do. And, and belief is such an important part of it. Um, because if you're not, if you don't believe, you won't plan what the next steps are. Yeah. And it could be that just the first step um, and you won't do the work. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you had that, that really strong belief in yourself that the you can choose your future um, was, was just brilliant. Yeah. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure um, talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your fabulous story uh, of, you know, what's, what's there to give hope to your family hope to your friends and hope to so many people who who are struggling with cancer or any other uh, chronic illness um uh, i just really applaud you for for really having that belief in yourself that you can change the outcome and you really and you really have five years on absolutely um, uh, amazing how can people get hold of you um, so people can get hold of me on Instagram at Mark uh, hyphen Edmondson or at uh, sorry, that's my LinkedIn profile. My apologies, um, and my uh, Instagram is at Elsvenos. A uh, little sub story, but my nickname is Sven. So um, <laughs> yes, Elsvenos at Instagram or Mark hyphen Edmondson on LinkedIn. Brilliant, thank you, and thank uh, you. I just thank you so much for coming on the show. It's you know this show is all about brain health, unchaining your pain, and it sounds to me that you certainly managed to do that in spades. I, look, there's, uh, firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's been a genuine honour and a pleasure. Um, it's very cathartic and, and beneficial for me to be able to talk about things like this as well. Um, like I said, you've already given me three or four new perspectives and new outlooks that I'm going to start to adopt. Uh, so I get real value from this too. Uh, and thank you to everyone who's listened. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate your time. Um, and believe believe thank you you're most welcome mark best of luck for uh, for the future and uh, i look forward to staying connected if there's anything i can do to 
help you or, or others that are in your network who need support, then um, please don't hesitate to reach out. This show is all about brain health, unchaining your pain. You are not stuck with the brain you have. You can make it better and the outcome of that can be phenomenal. Thank yep. you for listening. Bye for now. Brought to you by Winjack Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.